Hard Feelings by Mark Coggins is a bang bang thrill ride, says best-selling author Seth Harwood, who adds that the lead character of Winnie is a female Jack Reacher. Find it in ebook or trade paperback wherever books are sold. In this podcast, it's read by author Mark Coggins. Learn more about Mark and his other novels at markcoggins.com. Chapter 27. Winnie. Day spas, yoga studios, Pilates emporiums, and pink-trimmed female-only health clubs were legion in the area. But the only gym that met Winnie's requirements was Jimmy's, a Spartan, no-frills establishment in Healdsburg, founded by a former champion bodybuilder. It was housed in a wedge-shaped building that had undoubtedly started life as a warehouse or a factory. She pulled into a parking spot on the side, well away from the other cars, and reached under the passenger seat to pull out a zippered pouch. Inside the pouch was a clutch of disposable syringes and several glass ampules of metatoline ethantate, one of the safer anabolic steroids for females. Winnie used it as part of a 12-week training cycle, a cycle she'd been following ever since the winemaker's men had come after her. She knew it wasn't the best thing for her long-term health, but long-term was relative in her world. She needed every edge she could get in the coming showdown. She broke off the stem of the ampule and then dipped the needle of the syringe in to dry out 50 milligrams of the steroid. She had been told to use a filter needle to avoid pulling in glass fragments, but she never bothered. She pulled up her shirt to expose her stomach and jammed the needle home. When she had injected the full 50 milligrams, she wadded up the ampule, the syringe, and the packaging in a napkin from a fast food restaurant. She dropped the whole mess in a trash can by the front of the gym, where she imagined it settling in with discarded steroid paraphernalia from other bodybuilders. The guy at the front desk was a good-looking kid with curly black hair who was 20 or, at most, 22 years old. When she explained that she wasn't a member and just wanted to use the gym for the day, he used her presumed ignorance as an excuse to flirt while talking up the gym facilities. He finished with, And we also offer a variety of spa services, including massage. Winnie looked around skeptically at the scuffed white walls, concrete floor, and acoustic tile ceiling. And exactly where do you do the massages? He grinned. We can find a place. I'll bet you can. She pointed at the refrigerator full of sports drinks to the right of the desk. Just give me a day pass and a bottle of muscle milk. Eight ounces or sixteen? Sixteen. The kid went over to the refrigerator to retrieve the muscle milk and returned to the desk register to ring up the sale for the drink and the day pass. That'll be $24.95 total. Winnie passed over a 20 and a 5, and the kid slid back a nickel. Hey, he said, haven't I seen you around town? At one of the wineries, maybe? Winnie snatched the drink from his hand and pushed the nickel back across the counter. Maybe. 
Do you know my son, Percival? I think he goes to your high school. She didn't wait for a response, but turned to go up the metal staircase along the back wall. The second floor was where they kept all the serious workout equipment. When he started with the heavy bag, working on her kicks, she did front kicks, roundhouse kicks, and side kicks, singly and in combinations. Then she lowered the bag and worked on the outside sweep kick that she had used at the bridle bit. When she was finished, she moved on to punches. When he focused on hitting accurately with power, she knew she was never going to overwhelm with speed. Flinging sweat with each punch, when he tapped into a growing frustration. She cared for Reardon and she valued his assistance, but she should never have let him send for Ray. Whack! The effort to retrieve the guard's instrument pack had been a dangerous waste of time, and the business with the model airplanes was just plain silly. Whack, whack. It was time to move against the winemaker. Each day of delay only heightened the chance of discovery. Whack. The run-in with the giant had thrown her for a loop. Winnie was shocked to discover he was like her, paralyzed and mobile only with the benefit of the stimulator technology. Whack, whack. Yes, the winemaker hated her and wanted revenge. Yes, he sought her version of the technology to improve his own. But until now, she assumed he was interested only in controlling others through pre-programmed scripts. She punished the bag with a last uppercut, sending it jittering and twisting on its chains. She wiped down with a towel and chugged half the muscle milk. Old-time medicine balls were next. She started by throwing one up against the wall and then moved through a series of exercises that worked her arms, core, and legs. She liked the medicine ball because it helped with balance and gave her a workout that mimicked the physical challenges she'd face in close combat. As she drilled, Winnie continued to ponder the winemaker's motives. Was he trying to create an army of soldiers like her? Fighters who felt no pain and advanced even when wounded? If that was the goal, the giant might well represent the peak of his achievement. Baki, slow, and clumsy. Although her own reactions were not as fast as a normal person's, she could run circles around him. He'd only captured her by the PG&E van because he'd flung open the rear door at the precise moment when she came up behind it. Still, he was incredibly strong. Winnie imagined him as an opponent as she moved through her routine, pivoting with a ball left and then right, as if she were locked in a titanic struggle. If he survived the blow to his head and she chanced to run into him again, Winnie would not underestimate him. But there were worse things to consider. Like she did, the giant moved under his own direction. It was a relatively benign application of the technology. What was truly terrifying was the possibility of the winemaker controlling others through his thoughts rather than a script. Winnie would destroy herself before she let him use her technology to make that more practicable. She pivoted a final time and hurled the ball down to punctuate the point. She drank the rest of the chalky muscle milk and then moved on to pure strength training. This involved the sort of exercises Reardon did in his driveway in Palm Springs. But unlike Reardon, she knew what she was doing. He followed some sort of Charles Atlas regime from the 1960s with shots of bourbon thrown in. 
She'd read the latest studies and did what they suggested to maximize her results. She used free weights instead of machines whenever possible and went for a relatively small number of reps, six to eight, with as much weight as she could handle for each exercise. She typically did three sets of reps with no more than two exercises per body part. Although she spent over an hour on the heavy bag in the medicine ball, it was the strength training that took the lion's share of her time. She was about to begin one of the last exercises in her routine, wrist drills with kettlebells, when she checked the time in the old grade school style clock on the wall. It was already 8 p.m. The wrist drills would take at least another 40 minutes. The drive to the motel would consume another 30, and she'd promised Reardon she'd be home by 9. She decided it was time to pack it in. She toweled off a final time and hurried down the staircase to the first level. A middle-aged Hispanic woman had taken the kid's place behind the desk. Winnie said goodnight to the woman and was going toward the door when she caught sight of the merchandise in the pro shop. It was mostly T-shirts, leotards, and other workout attire, but nestled among the clothing was a limited selection of equipment, including kettlebells. Invented by the Russians for strength and endurance training, kettlebells were like little cannonballs with handles. They were quite versatile, and if Wendy bought a pair to finish her wrist exercises at the motel, she was certain she could use them later for other training, assuming there was a later. She paid the Hispanic woman for a pair of 10-pounders and shouldered her way out the front door, one kettlebell dangling from each hand. The sun was dipping below the hills to the west, and the parking lot was almost completely deserted. She walked around the side of the building to her car, the faint breeze against her cheek pleasant after all the hours in the stuffy gym. As she put the kettlebells down to fish out her car keys, a pickup truck pulled into the lot, cruised past her, and turned into a spot several places down. She didn't catch sight of the driver, but two German shepherds sat alertly in the back, ears perked forward. Both wore bright red service vests. Although they weren't growling, something about the dogs put Winnie on alert. She let her keys fall back into her pocket and leaned down to pick up one of the kettlebells. She watched as the driver of the pickup got out and lumbered onto the sidewalk. He was blonde and huge. He turned to whistle to the dogs, and both of them bounded out of the pickup to join him. He felt Winnie's eyes on him and glanced up. She had never seen him before, but she knew instinctively that he was like the giant at the PG&E truck. He was another of the winemaker's pale imitations of herself. A simpering grin crept onto his heavy features. He recognized her, too. He looked like the other man, but not like him. Winnie didn't see a family resemblance so much as a type or a shared development process. Given their towering height, protruding jaws, and oversized hands and feet, she wondered if both men suffered from a growth disease of some sort. But compared to the giant at the PG&E truck, this man seemed even slower and more clumsy. She guessed he had received the stimulator implant more recently than the other and was coming to the gym for physical therapy. His use of the service dogs fit with that interpretation as well. She soon learned that the dogs were intended for more than service. The man clapped his hands together awkwardly and shouted, Foss! She didn't recognize the word, but the dogs clearly did. 
They scrambled around the pickup, snarling as they charged. Winnie turned to place her left foot on the SUV's tire. She took a big step up onto the hood with her right. She felt a tremor and heavy resistance as she tried to pull her trailing foot onto the hood to join the other. The lead dog, a muscular black animal with almost pertinaturally white fangs, had clamped his jaws around her ankle. She pivoted, leaning down to sweep the kettlebell in a scything motion. It caught the animal in the side of the head, just below the ear. The dog went slack, and she nearly toppled as it detached itself from her ankle and dropped to the ground, dead or mortally wounded. She overcompensated for the forward pitch and fell back on the hood, banging the kettlebell on the sheet metal with a clang. The second dog, a black and brown brute, leaped and snapped at her, launching onto the hood with each jump and then sliding back down. Winnie scrambled to her feet and stood towering above the snarling animal. The loss of its partner seemed only to have enraged it further. Its eyes were wild and foam frothed at the corners of its mouth. Winnie held the kettlebell high over her head, waiting for an opening. It came when the dog leaped up once more, nipping at her feet. She launched the kettlebell straight down at its back. The animal howled and sloughed off the car. It whined as it pinwheeled miserably along the ground, pawing at the asphalt while it dragged its dead hind legs after. You cunt, yelled the blonde giant. He had tottered off the sidewalk and was bending to retrieve the kettlebell she had set down when he arrived. Winnie knew nothing good would come from this development. It was now or never. She flew down from the hood, lifting her legs to land butt-first on his shoulder. The impact flattened him to the ground, but she had not hit squarely, and she ricocheted off his massive scapula to fall in a jumble by the dead dog. She felt nothing from the impact but a jostling and a mild disorientation, as if she were someone watching a video from a POV camera. She rolled to the side and levered herself upright. The blonde monster was struggling to push himself up. She took a deliberate step forward and executed one of the roundhouse kicks she had practiced so assiduously in the gym. Her right shin caught him square in the forehead. He groaned and slumped back, down but not out. She was lining up for another kick when a voice called behind her, Stop! What are you doing? Winnie wheeled to find the woman from the front desk peering around the corner of the building. Probably there was a security camera. Probably she'd seen the commotion from a monitor inside. Anatoly, shouted the woman. Are you okay? What happened to your dogs? He sicked them on me, said Winnie. That's what happened. She knew there was little hope of convincing the woman, but she wanted to engage her long enough to slow the inevitable call to the cops. Anatoly would never do that. He's a gentle... Giant? Winnie laughed harshly. She snatched up the kettlebells and hurried to unlock the SUV door. Check the tape, lady, she said before piling in. She reversed out of the parking space and snapped the transmission into drive. The last thing she saw before accelerating out of the lot was the woman running out to kneel by the blonde man's side. She took a long, circuitous route home, both to avoid the police and to ensure that none of the winemaker's men were following her. When she arrived at 9.30, 
she found Ray and Reardon huddled over a laptop, staring at a video shot from the air. They looked up at her, clearly eager to impart some news. She didn't give them the chance. That's it, she said. We're done fucking around. D-Day is tomorrow. You have been listening to No Hard Feelings, a finalist for the Forward Reviews Book of the Year Award. Find it in ebook or trade paperback wherever books are sold. In this podcast, it's read by author Mark Coggins. Learn more about Mark and his other novels at markcoggins.com. Thank you.